0: Hello and welcome to Clojack's Jack's Nursing Journey Podcast. I'm Chloe Jack, student nurse at Robert Gordon University and I'm really excited to welcome both Jill Fenwick and Cameron Smith to the podcast today. Before we get started, here's three facts about Jill and Cameron. Jill is Stage 1 Practice Education Lead and Nursing Lecturer at Robert Gordon University. She specialises in haematology nursing and registered as an adult nurse in 1994. Cameron is a Nursing Lecturer at Robert Gordon University and is course leader for undergraduate nursing programmes. Carmen specialised in oncology nursing and registered as an adult nurse in two thousand and ten. A big welcome to you both. Thank you both for joining me today. It's really great to have you both in the podcast. So Jill, let's start by hearing your nursing journey. Where did it begin for you?
1: Okay, so um, I started my nursing degree in Glasgow in nineteen eighty one, and. I, I was in the second intake of the one of the first degree courses that ran. So that's way back. So I did a four-year degree course in Glasgow. And then after that, I worked in a medical receiving ward that had haematology as its specialty. And then after that, I went down to Sheffield and did a post-registration uh, qualification in oncology. And I worked in oncology and palliative care down there for a wee while. Then I returned to Glasgow and did some agency work in oncology. And then after that, I came to Aberdeen and got a staff nurse's post in oncology. At that time, all the oncology services were based out of Woodend Hospital, or Street mm-hmm. at Woodend, which doesn't exist anymore. And after that, I went into education and did my postgraduate teaching qualification and then worked as, that took about a year and a half and I was based in Glasgow for that and did my teaching practice in Edinburgh at the Edinburgh Royal Infirmary which was very very posh and I had to wear a navy skirt and white shirt, it was very sensible and then I worked as a teacher, a lecturer at Worcester Hill College for a while. Then I applied for a job as a senior lecturer at the University of Malta. Wow. And it was seconded by the University of Liverpool. So I Mm. did that for a year and uh, developed a BSc programme in Malta for um, Maltese students, which was brilliant. I absolutely loved that. And I got to work clinically there as well. And then after that, I came back to Aberdeen. I got another lecturer's post, did my MSc in health promotion. But the focus of that was on um, breast cancer and women's perceptions of uh, detection of breast cancer in various Mm. ways. And then I have worked as a lecturer at RGU. Since then, I also left. I've just remembered I had another leave. <laughs> I left and set up my health and social care training company oh, wow. in 2008. That's amazing. And did that for many, many years and came back after that. And I still run that company part time. So lots of different things in there. That's
0: brilliant. Thank you, Jill. And Cameron, yeah. let's talk about your nursing journey. Where did it begin for you?
2: So I started working as a healthcare support worker. Um, we were known as auxiliary nurses back when I started, Chloe. Um, and I worked in elective orthopaedics and in the orthopaedic theatres um, within the anaesthetic room. So I did that for um, about a year. At the same time, I applied to Nescol. Okay. I did my access to nursing programme. I'd left school at fourth year. I didn't have uh, the qualifications I needed to get into university. So I went through the college route. And I did the access program. Um, really enjoyed the access program, did quite well at the access program, and from that point on decided that I wanted to apply to RGU. So applied to RGU to do my undergraduate degree, um, and I undertook the Bachelor of Nursing degree. So did that over three years. Really enjoyed being at RGU as a student, um, really enjoyed being a student nurse in general, um, loved all the placements I did. Um, and just enjoyed being a student once i qualified i got my first post in a care home so i worked in granham care home in the bridge of Dawn. i did that for quite a short period of time i did that for about six months um it was a bit of a learning curve for me it was my first post and um, going through that transition is quite difficult it's quite mm-hmm. challenging and I was one of the night nurses, and when I was working there, I was the only qualified nurse on that floor. Oh, so it was a bit of a learning curve, yeah. it was a bit scary at times, but it was really an interesting place to work. And after that, I then moved to the haematology day unit at ARI, and I did that for two years in Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. During that time, I was studying for my master's degree, I was studying as well for my chemotherapy course, as it was called back then. Oh, yeah, that's cool. After that, after the two years I was at ARI, I moved to Jersey in the Channel Islands and worked in oncology and haematology in Jersey. Um, did oncology more than haematology when I worked over there. Mm-hmm. I did that for three years. I did various different roles when I was there. And then after those three years, the opportunity came up to apply for the post. I'm currently in as a lecturer in Aberdeen. Um, surprised myself and actually got the job as a lecturer at RGU and at that point moved back. And I've now being a lecturer at RGE for
0: the last six years. Fab, thank you very much, Cameron. So I'm right in saying that you've both had experience in oncology and haematology.
2: That's oh, right, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So can you both share with me what should nurses can expect from both of these specialisms while on placement and why newly qualified nurses might want to consider this as a first post, if it's appropriate for it to be a first post, that is.
2: Um, yeah, certainly. So. I think it's a really challenging area to work in, um, but it's really exciting, it's really rewarding. And I think oncology and haematology are great places to build your confidence with them, like so your verbal and your nonverbal communication skills. Um, and I think for newly qualified nurses, it's a really good place to start consolidating some of those skills. Mm-hmm. So, as well as developing an understanding of different treatments, so the different interventions you have for cancer care. So the likes of student nurses going there for placement will get the opportunity to see um, patients getting systemic anti-cancer treatment, so likes of your your chemotherapy, um, radiotherapy, stem cell transplants, as well as various supportive treatments that you can be involved in, so the likes of blood and platelet transfusions, bone marrow biopsies. And I think for, it's worth remembering in haematology, you're going to be looking after Looking after patient, sorry, patients with malignancy, but you're also going to be looking after patients with non-malignant haematology diseases, like, of haemophilia. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And again, you'll learn about lots of different malignant diagnoses, but also it gives you a really good opportunity to engage with third sector, the likes of Clan and Maggie's, yeah. and I think building that awareness of those services helps you provide really good person-centred care.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What are the differences between the two?
2: So oncology deals with solid tumour, okay. Um, whereas haematology is
1: uh, blood.
0: Okay, thank you for that explanation. Thank you, Cameron. And Jill, can you provide us with a wee bit of an explanation well, for, for the question?
1: I, I would agree with everything Cameron has said. I think it is a, a brilliant um, opportunity to develop your, your communication skills um, as well because you tend to have patients that are in for a wee while and you can build up these relationships with their with the patient themselves and their families. Um and also you tend to have patients that maybe leave and they come back in for further treatment, etc. So you do build up relationships that way. And I think in terms of um be- becoming more competent with your essential nursing skills. I think it's brilliant for that as well. And Cameron mentioned some of the procedures that might take place, like bone marrow aspirations and things like that. It's been interesting for me because when I first started oncology, that that was a very, very long time ago, and things have improved dramatically over the years. But being in education now, I've been able to, you know, look after people. For example... um. When I when I worked in oncology, um, there was um scalp cooling. Okay. Now scalp cooling is to prevent the chemotherapy drugs getting into the hair follicles. Oh. And nowadays there's all singing, all dancing fancy caps that um, the patients get on and that, that helps to freeze the hair follicles. But when I worked in oncology, we used to fill Sainsbury's bags with ice cubes and put them on the patient's head. Wow, That is absolutely <laughs> true. Who? And not just Sainsbury's bags. Um, so it's been really interesting to see that transition over the years and the development of treatments. Absolutely. So it's a brilliant area for a placement and definitely as a first placement uh, as a first as a first um, place for your first qualified post yeah. definitely because there's lots and lots always happening in oncology and haematology.
0: Fantastic thank you so what kind of tasks can student nurses expect in in these placement areas?
2: I think they're they're very broad areas um, Chloe so there'll be lots of different skills that students can be involved mm-hmm. in Um I think Obviously, lots of essential nursing care will go on in these areas. Um, So I think it's a great placement for any student nurse across any stage. As you progress through the stages, the likes of being involved in blood transfusion, venipuncture, cannulation, um, catheterisation, for example. Um, But as well, you get to go and see a lot of other procedures uh, with the department. So like getting down to radiology, going down to radiotherapy, going to see biopsies so it links in with a lot of different areas and it really allows you to see that multi-professional uh, working within um, oncology haematology in likes of haematology you can go to the laboratories you can see um likes of the blood being analyzed you can go over to the blood transfusion service and watch things like stem cell harvest right. so there's lots of areas that oncology and haematology links into as well as providing essential nursing care and some of those more um, clinical skills that likes sort of venopuncture um, like, sort of, cannulation, chest oscillation, things that are in your future nurse our standards. Um, and also likes sort of, as we've said already, your communication skills. So being able to build those and be able to watch people having those challenging conversations yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, to help you build your understanding of how to approach those kinds of conversations.
0: Absolutely. Joel, did you want to add anything at all to that to that question? No,
1: no, I don't think so. I mean I think that's very comprehensive overview of the type of um involvement that you mm-hmm. would have either as a student nurse or as a newly qualified nurse. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I guess it is a suitable post for a newly qualified nurse then. And I guess you have to have a really good knowledge of your your um, science and your pathophysiology for this kind of post.
2: I think as well no matter where you end up working you will be looking after people with a cancer diagnosis yes uh Um, you will come across patients with cancer in all specialties so actually having somewhere like oncology hematology as a first post could give you that underpinning knowledge of the different treatments and the journeys that those patients will go through so regardless of where you end up working you have that appreciation of what they're going to be going through and have that empathy and understanding.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Cameron. Um, So are there any specialist qualifications required to carry out the specialist roles?
1: Well, um, obviously the nurses qualifying from RGU will have a nursing degree, which is going to set them in good stead, whether that is a bachelor degree or or an honours degree. i in, in my day i you did what was called um a national board um two three seven qualification which is a post it's a post registration oncology course okay. and although it's called something different in those days, it's very similar to yeah. any post registration course that um you could undertake now uh certainly undertaking any courses in oncology and post-reg courses in chemotherapy that Cameron runs and I um assist with that module. Um, also I used to run a post registration pain management course. Okay. All these courses are entirely relevant uh, if you wanted to undertake them prior to uh, you know a uh, call it a post like that. Yeah.
0: Bad. so this is a good opportunity to plug the RGU courses for this area. Absolutely, definitely. <laughs> Cameron, did you want to add anything to that?
2: Um, just to really echo what Jill's saying, so it'll depend on the board you work, um, work for, but certainly for likes of NHS Crampy, we had to do a systemic anti-cancer treatment course. Okay. When I did it, it was a chemotherapy course, um, and yeah, as Jill says, there's lots of different CPD that you can do that would. It'd be more than relevant for working in oncology and hematology
0: so a newly qualified nurse could go straight into this post and just start the training when they're in the post or do they have to do it um, before they go go into the post
2: so you'd be able to get a role within one of these areas without having your um your anti-cancer okay. module and um, but it might restrict you on what you can do, yes, uh-huh. but it will. It will completely depend on the board that you go to. So some mm-hmm. boards are more flexible than others. Uh, but the purpose of it is to the purpose of doing the course is to understand the complexities of yeah. uh, systemic anti-cancer treatment, yeah. to know that, understand the side effects yes. that and the toxicities that your patients get from it, and understand how you can counteract that and provide. Um, information and support to gain that informed consent before administering it but you'd still be able to be involved in all the essential care you'd be usually be able to um, be involved in like checking the drugs Mm -hmm. but also supporting patients with toxicities and toxicity management
0: yeah so it would be best to do the course prior to to starting the post to prepare you for the the best possible chance
2: i think it really depends where you you end up um working so if you your board will often pay for you to do it so they'll put you through it
0: okay so you could be working Um, on the job while doing the course basically
2: yeah 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 yeah, definitely and I think sometimes as well because you're going to be working there you'd be immersed in that area yeah you'd be able to contextualize it as well whereas if you're doing that course as a standalone sometimes you maybe struggle to contextualize it if you're not immersed in that kind of area
0: thank you and did you both see yourself in the position that you are now when you first started your nurse training we'll start with you
1: no no not at all i I came into education by accident um I saw a lecturer's post advertised it was it was an oncology lecturer's post and they asked for um three qualifications of which I had none but I still applied and um They asked me if I'd like to um, do my teaching qualification, even though I didn't get that actual post. They asked me if I would like to do my teaching qualification and that's how I got in. I would say to anybody that um, eh, don't ever be scared to put yourself forward for something, you know. Um, I remember when I got my job abroad, several people said to me, oh my goodness, how did you get that job? (laughs) To which I would reply, well, did you apply for it? You know, oh, you're never going to get a job unless you just go for it and apply for it and sell yourself.
0: Fab. thanks, Jill. And what yeah. about you, Cameron?
1: Um, Like Jill, I honestly never
2: envisaged myself sitting back here at RGU as a lecturer. <laughs> um, And like Jill, I think the job came up and I knew that I wanted to, I knew I had an interest in education. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to work in higher education. And the job came up and I thought, I'll never get it. But I'll I'll apply anyway. Yeah. Um and that's kinda that's what I've done Definitely. with every job in my career. I've never thought I'll actually get it. I've maybe not always had the qualification for it or the years of experience they're asking for. But I think sometimes it's good to apply and put yourself forward because if nothing else it shows that you have the desire to yeah. progress.
0: Absolutely.
2: And yeah, I applied for this job and thought I'll never get it and surprised myself and did get it. Um, so I think it's I think it's good to put yourself forward for these things and if you have an interest in an area and if there's a job that you really want to do and the opportunity comes up apply for it Definitely. because if you if you don't put yourself forward you won't get it Absolutely. but if you put yourself in that position and it can be scary putting yourself in that position
0: yeah
2: um but yeah if, if you don't try you'll
0: you'll never yeah, know, you'll never know. <laughs> exactly yeah. that's a very good attitude to have and do you miss practice do you
1: both miss practice
2: think elements of it
1: yeah yeah I think Um, you you miss the patience don't you Joe? yeah yeah yeah, definitely but but we still as um, practice education lecturers Cameron and I still have quite a lot of contact with practice Mm. and although we're not involved in direct patient care which would be the bit I I think that we would probably both miss we are still involved with our practice colleagues and that makes an enormous difference it really does we feel as if we're you know we're still involved in some way Mm. and that's very Mm. very important.
0: And of course, you're you're preparing the future work um the workforce, mm-hmm. so that's a great honour to have. Um. Yeah, so, yes. uh, what would you both say to your student nurse self now, having been on the journey that you have? Start with you, Jill.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Um. I I would say that I was very very lucky in that I enjoyed every single placement I had, um. And but sometimes I think students perhaps judge a placement before they go on it by either by reputation or thinking, oh, my goodness, that's not an area I want to work in. But just go in with a complete and utter open mind because you are going to learn something brilliant no matter what that that placement is. And even if that thing you learn is, well, this isn't an area I want to work in. Um, but you've given it your best shot, then that's very, very valuable information to have because that does inform your future. So I would just say um, always keep an open mind and um, go into all placements hoping and believing that you're going to learn something really important.
0: And is that the same advice that you would give to student nurses on how to be successful in their nursing journey?
1: Definitely, definitely, absolutely.
0: And Cameron, what about yourself? What would you say?
2: I think it's quite similar. I think yeah, being open-minded about the areas that you might be placed. I think for me, I think sometimes I wish I'd maybe explored some different specialities as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I only worked in oncology, haematology, and sometimes I wonder if um, I maybe should have tried another area of specialism Mm -hmm. as well. Um, But I think as well, if you find an area that you enjoy, there's no harm in staying there. There's no harm Mm -hmm. in making that your area of speciality from day one. Yeah. I think just enjoy yourself and yeah. enjoy your enjoy your time as a student. I think mm-hmm. you're you're so keen to get through your training and be that qualified nurse that sometimes you forget to just enjoy what you're doing here and now. And yeah. um, once you're qualified that's it. Mm-hmm. You know take the time when you're a student to take everything in but have fun as well. Yeah. Um and enjoy that student life and just remember that your career's go up open up so many different opportunities for you yeah um and take you potentially all over the world and I think my advice would be you know take those opportunities when they come up
0: fab and is that the same advice that you would offer to student nurses
2: yeah absolutely
0: fantastic and um so what has been your nursing highlight in your nursing career to date we'll start with you Cameron
2: oh I've got a lot of different highlights I think um (laughs) From a clinical perspective, though, when I was in practice, knowing that you're making that difference to patients and their families, knowing that you're helping people through a really challenging point in their life, from a more personal perspective, really completing my master's degree was a big highlight for me. It was a lot of hard work, and getting to the end of that was a, a huge um, highlight for me, and probably getting my job at RGU as well, Um, knowing that this was a role that I wanted to get into and getting that job was, um, you know, it, it was a great feeling to get that role and to come here and start um, my career as a educator.
0: Thank you, Cameron. And what about you, Jill?
1: Well, um, I would echo exactly what Cameron says about my highlights in clinical practice would be that I know that I made a difference, to, not, to, not to everybody and not all the time, but occasionally making a really big difference in somebody's life. Um when, as Cameron says, there things are very, very difficult for them. You can't beat that. That's an amazing feeling. Um I would also say working abroad for me, I thoroughly enjoyed. You can go abroad and be sort of whoever you want and do whatever you want. And um I think that's a that's a that's a big highlight for me. Um I would also say that um working at RGU and I've worked in a few different areas for me it's the team working that we have at RGU and the friendships that we have and I can honestly say that um, if you need support from another one of your colleagues at RGU then you are not stuck for somebody to ask there will always be somebody there that can help you and that is a really really great feeling within a team so I hope that anybody listening to this I hope that that that's something that they'll strive for within their future work in life
0: thank you both so that brings us to the end of the podcast almost and so before we finish up Lauren posed the following question for you both Um, nurses are particularly good at caring for others but can often neglect themselves what activities do you partake in to help you relax and recharge (laughs) good question from Lauren very good
2: question Um, when I lived in Jersey I did a lot of Thai boxing okay oh wow that's cool and I think kind of exercise in any form is really quite a good way to switch off because it's very easy to take work home with you and to keep thinking about things and reliving it and that's not particularly healthy but going and exercising no matter what it is gives you that space to switch off and um, almost like recharge you know, it's obviously good for your health, but I think it's good for your mind as well. So that's, you know, one of the main ways that I coach. But also, as Jill was saying about having a really good team around you, we socialise with each other as well. And I think that's really important. It's a nice way to obviously build a strong team, Mm -hmm. but also decompress almost from really difficult situations, difficult shifts, difficult
1: weeks. And it's quite a nice way to to decompress as well
0: thank you cameron and what about you jill
1: um yep yeah, exercise is something that i do as well to relax and as you say recharge um i've done the moonwalk a couple of times so combining training for something like that and also raising money for cancer research and Macmillan, etc i've recently done the um the Macmillan squat challenge. So as Cameron will vouch for, he quite often sees me and my pod doing squats and people join in, which is lovely. But, um, I definitely think that exercise is a great, is, is a really, really good way of de-stressing as well. And, um, and, and having a a healthy social life as well, because friendships and laughter are the, they must be absolutely up there in the best ways uh, to relax. And, um, and enjoy yourself.
0: Thank you both. Yeah. That's a great reply to Lauren's question. So in the next episode we'll be joined by Helen Padding, Critical Care Nurse Manager at NHS Grampian. So the power is now in your hands to both pose a question for the next guest speaker. What would you look both what would you both like to ask Helen?
1: Okay, um the question that we posed is um on a daily basis you are dealing with life and death situations. How does that impact on your own daily life?
0: Thank you both. That's a super question. So we'll hear from Helen in the next episode. Thank you both for joining me today. I hope you've all enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave a comment on my socials and follow me at Chloe, Jack, and That's all for now folks. Cheerio!